Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. To say that my sermon prep process, which was never a straight line anyway, but to say that it's been challenged is kind of like an understatement, severely understatement. Because every every part of my life has been challenged, obviously, by by Christine's passing. So the process of sermon prep looks a lot different because I'm a lot different. And so preparing to 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 work on what we started last week and and to somehow convey what God is saying to us at this moment for all of us, not just not me. I I don't want this to be. I'm trying so hard not to make this about me because we're all walking through stuff, hard stuff. And I don't want to have a grief, the corner on grief, you know. But I can't help but express what God is doing through that. You know, Mike and I were talking the other day and, you know, grief and I coexist right now. it's, It's not a very friendly relationship right now. But we do coexist. And so, I was always careful about being up here and saying words. Because I I am held accountable for those someday. Even more so, I'm very conscious of how, of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. Because nothing in my life wants to dishonor my father, even though I am in grief. So, building on I can't, and what that really means, the Apostle Paul's bold claim, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Those words have been surprisingly comforting and just as surprisingly aggravating. Kind of coexisting as well. Because remember we talked about those words, I can't, they're, they're, they're very destructive. Very disruptive. And they force their way into our everydayness into our thoughts, our actions, and our dreams, and they really mess with our reality. And yesterday afternoon down by the river, I, I said, I can't. I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I said, I, I can't, yesterday. There was one point where I was pounding a picnic table I was sitting on, and I probably said, I can't, about 20 times in a row. Just over and over and over again. Because I couldn't. And remembering the things that God is working in my heart about, not just this scripture about, about who he really is, trying. The first part of my life, as you well know, and it's been well documented how hard it was, the, the, the brutality of the abuse I walked through. I was able to come out of that and then look back at it through the filter and the lens of God's goodness. And it brought much healing and much and much growth and maturity, and I was able to, to grow and, and 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 do 
the things that God wanted me to do because I, because I had the filter of the gospel of his great goodness looking through that at my abuse. Enabled me to meet this wonderful woman. Get married and have wonderful kids. And then when we lost two babies, I had to, I had to apply that same, that same lens to that moment. I still do. Looking at it through the goodness of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And now, the greatest challenge I think that I have ever faced, will ever face, is to, to, to apply that same lens to, to, to fix my eyes in a different way through the gospel, through the, the good news of who Jesus is and who, how good God is. Even when I coexist with this, this thing called grief. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Most of you know what I'm talking about, if not all of us. Is it possible to redeem these thoughts? Yeah, it is possible. It's not easy. I'm frankly not enjoying this process, believe it or not. So I said last week, I came up with this acronym, I cancel all negative thoughts. I can't. And although I love coming up with acronyms because they help me focus, they help me remember, you know, the context of what God is teaching me, uh, I (laughs) I cancel all negative thoughts doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't. But it does bring perspective. It does bring perspective. And I found perspective in a very weird verse. Well, it's not a, the verse is not weird, but it, maybe it was. <laughs> I found this in, I go back to Job a lot. I did prior to this, and I did again. And in the beginning of Job, Job chapter 2, in, in response to all that Job has lost and is suffering, he's scraping boils off his body and his wife gives him wonderful encouragement and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Job's response is amazing. Basically saying, if we accept good from God, why can't we accept adversity from God? Some translations say evil. I'll let you work on that one on your own. Joe's perspective is humbling to me. He doesn't know what Paul's going to write centuries later, you know, you know, years later that I, he could do all things, but basically that's, that's what Job is saying. And later on, I think it's in verse, uh, chapter 13 or it's later on, you know, Job says, though he slay me, I will Trust him. Man, is that perspective? And Job is suffering. He, I mean, he is dealing with his suffering. He is, he is in the middle of it. It's not like he's at, he's come all through it already when he says that. Somehow that perspective that Job had was dealing with this grief of mine. Because that mindset will change and challenge the way you think. Job says, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I will trust him. We will accept good from God and not accept adversity. I think it depends on the way we're looking at it. 
The problem with this I can't mentality it is that it starts to formulate negative thoughts. And those negative thoughts start to make excuses for your behaviors, for your actions, and for your belief system. This is why I can't is very destructive, very disruptive. And the enemy will use those moments to, to try to muzzle our voice. Now, I've said this before, but our voice is not just the words, the audible words that come from our mouth. The voice that our life makes, that our faith makes, are more than just words. They're actions, they're, they're beliefs, they're, they're, they're proclamations that we make by the way we live. Not just the audible sounds that come from our mouth. And so when I'm talking about voice, that's what I'm talking about. Not just the, not just words. Everything that our life speaks about. Everything that our life proclaims by the way we walk through it. That's our voice. And the enemy wants to snuff out that voice. Because if he can snuff out our voice, he can silence our faith. Do you hear that? He will silence our faith if he silences our voice. And this is huge. This is so huge that God addresses it in two different places. With Moses. (laughs) I love Moses. In Exodus 4.10, Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. And and the enemy is trying to silence Moses. Because Moses has got something big to proclaim. Let my people go. And the enemy is working hard to get Moses to, to look at everything that he can't do. And God's response is to the point and it's beautiful and it's disruptive in a different way. He says, did you create the mouth? I am the creator of your ability to speak. So go and speak. I love that. I love that. And then we come to the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah hasn't learned that he shouldn't use the Moses approach to God, but he does it anyway. He says in uh, Jeremiah 1.6, he says, O Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am a youth. And basically, God answers with, don't you tell me who you are. Don't you, almost like, don't you dare tell me who you are. I know who you are. Now go and speak. Again, Jeremiah has multiple powerful words to say to the nation of Israel and to us today about who God is. The enemy wants to silence, muzzle his voice by making him, I'm I'm just too young. I can't do this. And here's the point. God alone should Direct and define our voice. The sound that our life makes. Not the enemy. And not us. God alone gets to do that. Only God gets to do that. Again, when the enemy tries to silence our mouth, our voice, 
we start to believe lies and he, he silences our faith. Yesterday when I was down by the river, it was so foggy. I don't think, I, I go down the river multiple times in my life. I don't think I've ever seen it so foggy. I, you couldn't even see the other shoreline. Matter of fact, you couldn't even see like a hundred yards out in the water. It was so foggy. And it was kind of rainy and I was a little bit chilly and I was down there and getting wet and soaked and, but I didn't care because that kind of mirrored my, my mood at the moment. And I so much wanted to see the other side of where I am right now. But there's a fog. And it's blocking my vision. And it's hard to, to focus. You know, I was looking at the other side to see if I could see the other shore and I couldn't see it. And I heard there was a boat going by, but I couldn't see the boat. And then, and you know, except for a little flashing light. And it was amazing and disturbing. And I thought about it in the, in the, in the light of, of faith. And I love this quote by Corey Ten Boom. She says this about faith. She says, faith is the radar that sees through the fog. Faith is the radar that sees through the fog. And here's a here's something that I kind of maybe already knew, but I learned yesterday or I'm learning now and I'm hoping I learn it more. Here's an important truth about faith. Faith does not eliminate hard questions. Faith does not eliminate hard questions. In fact, I think it produces more. And that's okay. It's okay to ask hard questions. It doesn't mean you don't have any faith. It means you're working through your faith. You're trying to see through the fog. You're trying to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. You're trying to get a point of reference. You're trying to find some place to stand securely. It is okay. It is okay. It doesn't do away with the tough, difficult questions, but it does lead us to the one who can answer them. And the one that can destroy all negative thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. One of the words that is used, you know, like we said, you know, Greek sometimes it goes, explodes English words. And that whole concept about taking captive, it is talking about taking a spear and forcing someone away by the tip of a spear. So we can look at this scripture and, and say it this way. Try to work this out. Every claim and lie that opposes God, destroy them. And hold every negative thought at spear point and force it to obey Christ. That's what that verse is saying. This is war. It's always been war. But this is a war. And so, 
It sounds nice. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take this thought captive right now. I'm just not gonna think about it. No, it's saying, you know, you're gonna have to forcefully remove this thing from your mindset. And we do that spiritually, warfare, by believing the truth. Reinforcing the truth. Even when it doesn't feel good. Or it doesn't comfort. It's war. War is not comfortable. War is painful. War is frightening. War makes you want to run. Hide. Look for somewhere safe. But we are to take a, 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 a spiritual spear. And we are to force these things to obey who Christ really is. What he says about who he is. We let God define our voice and nobody else. Not even ourselves. Not even ourselves. We, we force these things. And maybe the way you force things out is different from the way I force things out. But we have to take this intentional force to move through negative thoughts and get them out of ourselves. Are you with me so far? To help us get perspective on, on not just this scripture, that I could do all things through Christ and, and be able to, to, to apply it to the, whatever we're walking through that God says, that's what I'm going to give you the strength to walk through. I could do, you can do this because I'm with you. You can't do it without me. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. The two basic definitions for the word fix is to, is to mend something, to repair something. And the other one is to be so intently focused on something that you don't lose it. You don't lose sight of it. Fix our eyes. We need, I need my eyes to be fixed right now. I don't see things clearly unless I look intently into my Savior's face. See, I, I don't see things. I can't get, I can't, the, the, the weird negative and, and, and thoughts that I have, I need, I need them to be repaired by who I look at. The Savior of my soul. Fix our eyes on Christ. Sometimes, you know, that means that I have to, I had to identify. Remember we said last week we have, we're not defined by our weaknesses, but we have to define them. So we're not defeated by them. So sometimes I got I got to do some soul searching, and I have been doing a lot of. See, there's a lot of regrets right now that I'm working through. If I don't look at those through the lens of Jesus, it's not going to work well. That's why I need to fix my eyes. That's why they need to be repaired. That's why they need to be focused. Otherwise, I see things askew. I don't see things correctly. Negative thoughts come. I start to believe lies. And then my voice is quieted. Muzzled. And I don't make the proclamations of faith that I need to. See, my voice needs to be louder than it's ever been before. I know I'm loud. 
anyways, but I mean, it needs to be louder anyways. It just, just needs to be. So we need to fix our eyes. We need to do it. Because nobody is responsible for your thoughts but you. And nobody is responsible for my thoughts but me. And so if I don't focus and take up a spear and forcefully remove the things that should not be there and make the things that are there that need to be there but need to obey, that fog comes in. And I can't see my hand in front of my face. And I can't see my Savior in front of my face. Is making sense? Okay. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I need to fix my thoughts, my heart, my spirit, my eyes, my life on who God is. The truth. And it's a war. It's a fight. It's not easy. And sometimes it's not comforting. See, if I'm only looking to be comforted, I am not going to get through this. I like comfort. I mean, who doesn't? I would rather feel better about everything than not, obviously. But if I'm just settling on looking for comfort, I am not going to make it through this the way that God wants me to. It's okay to ask for comfort. I'm not saying that. Please don't hear me, those who are suffering me. I'm not saying don't ask for comfort. Please ask for it. But if that's the thing I'm centered on, and, and that if I don't feel comfort and I don't trust God, then I am not thinking right. See, I can't let comfort, my level of comfort, dictate my relationship with Jesus. See what I mean there? Getting that? In the beginning of Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, it's in the beginning of that verse it says, you know, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. The Hebrew word fix means to commit, to charge yourself with, and to purposely get in there. Again, this is very intentional. It takes work. You just can't just read these verses. You gotta breathe in these verses. You gotta eat these verses. You gotta live these verses. They have to help you fix your mind, your soul, your body, and everything that your voice needs in order to speak truth to yourself. Proverbs 4, 21 to 31. Just do it at the beginning of this. It just says, Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. And take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. The word fixed there means to scan and look intently. See, with a fog, it is very hard to see where you're going next. And if you have ever driven through a fog, which I'm sure many of us have, you become very intent on what you can see in front of you, do you not? And you don't, at least I've never been tempted to look to the left or the right. Because you never know. If you take your eyes off what's in front of you for a moment, you can lose your way. Same thing with a very bad snowstorm. Those are every, bad weather conditions. Whatever it is that's impeding your sight, your vision gets very intent, does it not? 
This is what the scripture is talking about, not driving in a car, but, but keeping our focus so intently that we do not get off the path. It says, make firm your way. I'm going to make it firm by what I believe about my God and not about what my head says. Not about what the enemy is trying to lie to me about. I'm, I'm going to scan and look intently. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what we see is temporary. And what we, uh, is unseen is eternal. The Greek word there for fix means to take aim at. Take aim at something and then heed it. purposeful again, intentional again. We're taking aim at something. We're taking aim at the truth. And then we're going to heed what the truth tells us to do. We want to be on target with this. We want to know what we're aiming at too, but we want to be intentionally aiming at it. And then here in Hebrews 3, 1, the beginning of that verse says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Observe fully. I think our mind is the biggest battleground that there is. And that's why Paul encourages us to fix your thoughts. Let the Holy Spirit repair what is needed and then help you focus so that you concentrate, that you take in, that you purposely, intentionally work on this great relationship that, that we have with, with your God and your Savior and your Messiah, your Redeemer, the very hope that we need. Fix your eyes on these things. Fix your thoughts on these things. Fix your, your heart and your spirit, everything that your voice contains so that you speak truth to yourself. So that you can make firm your path. So that you can walk, even if you can't see very clearly yet. But you know where you're going because you took aim at something purposely. We need our vision fixed. Every day we need our vision fixed.